Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along, there'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his own sweet song. and it was pretty straightforward. I can't imagine that's happened too often in the last 1,000 games. If only there was someone who'd been to all of them that we could ask. Good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live. This is uh, coming to you live from the Valley. My name is Louis Mendez. Uh, joining me here in the studio as we get ready to look back at yesterday's uh, superb 2-0 win over Doncaster Rovers here at the Valley is uh, Mr. Tom Willen. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, very good. Yeah? Enjoyed recovered, that. Recovered from your commentating? Just about. And yeah. you're, you're uh, one-on-one with Lee Bowyer after? Yeah. The yeah. sort of one-on-one I, I prefer. Questions, fine. Yeah. Some sort of physical fight, no chance. But, uh, <laughs> but questions uh, is fine. Yeah, you've never played the game of fighting, have you? So, unfortunately, you wouldn't. And the, uh, the other person here in the studio is Mr. Lewis Cat. How you doing, Lewis? Yeah, very good, mate. Yeah, very did good. you enjoy the game yesterday? I did. It was much more enjoyable than last Saturday. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Much more enjoyable. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's like chalk and cheese, the performances uh, from Rochdale last week and the performance here at the Valley yesterday against Doncaster. So, on tonight's show, we will hear the uh, Valley Pass commentary highlights from that game. Uh, we'll hear Tom's exclusive interview with uh, Lee Bale, which is not to be missed. Uh, also, uh, later on in the show, uh, we're going to hear from an absolute Charlton legend. Uh, Seb Lewis, the super fan, uh, attended his 1,000th consecutive game yesterday. 
Uh, an incredible achievement. It goes all the way back to 1998, that unbroken run. Um, and so we're delighted to, to say that we've got him on the show this evening to hear uh, why on earth he did it and uh, how he's achieved it. And I also asked him if, he, if he's ever come close to just giving up or deciding not to go to a couple of games. Uh, and I was actually surprised by the answer. Uh, he said a thousand times in a row. No, he, he, <laughs> he, said, he said he has thought about it once or twice. So we'll hear from that. And because of Sebo's achievement, now this is something that I want to talk to everyone about. You know, obviously that's an incredible feat. Uh, you know of, of Charlton support it's not easy to do to do a thousand games and I'm not expecting other people to come in with such a run uh, but I want to know who else has achieved something supporting Charlton quite impressive you know have you walked all the way to Carlisle or something like that you know have you attended a game uh, even though it looked like you weren't going to be able to get there have you walked a mile uh, miles and miles to get to a game have you hitchhiked all the way somewhere let me know studio at charltonlive.co.uk tweet us at Charlton Live. there's a thread on uh, the Charlton Live forum for tonight's uh, show as well we're also going to speak to Gemma Bryan uh, the Charlton Athletic women's player she scored in today's 2-0 win over London Bees down at the Oakwood and if we have time we will look ahead to uh, Walsall on Tuesday uh, so a packed show and don't forget like I say have your say on, on anything uh, the game yesterday in particular we want to know your thoughts and what made Charlton so good yesterday today uh, when they were so poor at Rochdale so again studio at charltonlive.co.uk you can tweet us at charltonlive or the Charlton Life Fred uh, for, for tonight's show as well right um, before we hear the highlights Tom that you are very much a star of um, yeah it was quite comfortable in the end yesterday yeah it's um it's a difficult game really to to analyze in too much depth because the second half not much happened and it's boring actually wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah basically and uh, I said pretty much the same to Lee after the game as well it was um you know, we did our business, we got ourselves in front and, and as you say, it's it's unusual for us to be two goals ahead, particularly this season, but we did it. And then you're either waiting for them to start to get back in it or, or you want us to go on and try and get that, that third. Um, and, and neither of those things happened. I didn't really think they threatened. But similarly, we, we didn't do too much either. We just kind of saw the game out and boring perhaps, but also comfortable and uh, obviously pleasing, but at the same time, one of those weird things that again makes us question why we can't do it week in, week out. And, and again, Bowie sort of talks about that in the interview after the game as well. But it kind of just leaves you again frustrated that, that we can't do it every game. But in terms of yesterday on its own, I was a little bit worried about what Doncaster could offer. We know the players like Marcus and, and Coppinger can be dangerous and we kept him very, very quiet, I thought. Yeah, um, it was the reaction that we needed, wasn't it, Lewis, from, from last week up at Rochdale? You were there... Um, you, you're still going through therapy because of that. I mean, <laughs> it, it was it was such a disappointment last week, uh, and it, it was important that we didn't sort of get too down in the doldrums because we've gone on this poor run now. It was only one winning six before yesterday, so it's important that we reacted to that like we did yesterday. Yeah, definitely. It was it was almost polar opposite, really, wasn't it? it the way we came out of the blocks yesterday, we just started the game quickly and we looked dangerous every time we went forward. We looked like we could have scored, especially in the first half. I mean, I know we. We maybe sort of put the, took the foot off the gas a little bit in the second half, and the job was done. But me and Tom have said it so many times this season. When we've when we've gone a goal up, we've been so desperate to get that second goal, and we either find ourselves waiting for it all the way through to the end of the game, or or they end up equalising. So yes, to get that second goal and a bit of security in the first half, especially, was was good because it it makes you that little bit less nervous going into the second half. And I, I don't think Doncaster really challenged too much in the second half anyway. Mm. So it was just a professional, you know, professional, comfortable performance. If I was a Doncaster fan, I would have been very disappointed with that mm. second half performance. But I don't really care because I'm not a Doncaster fan. Let's have a listen uh, to the highlights from yesterday's game. Your commentators on Valley Pass were our very own Tom Wallin and Greg Stubley. Billick gets a little touch, but it's actually fallen nicely for Coppinger. He goes down the line to Blair. He's beaten a rebo ball in the box. He's touched on by Pierce. It's not cleared. It's a good save from Steer to deny. I think it was Kane. And there's a, a 
infringement on the goalkeeper and Charlton get away with one. Takes it off his toes. Mason goes to goal and it's wide in the end. But Charlton defensively, yet again, we saw glimpses of it against Rochdale. When there's a little bit of pressure, they don't look strong. This corner will be taken by Josh Cullen. Cullen swings it in towards the six-yard box. It'll flip. Oh, it's oh, rebo. Rebo Yes! Joe Rebo pokes it home for the Alex. The corner from Josh Cullen was initially won by Rebo. Off the bar, deflected back to the un central midfielder who taps it in to make it Charlton 1, Doncaster 0. Fantastic goal. And we said from this side, those Cullen corners have almost been inch perfect. He's been trying to get it millimetres over that first defender's head because there's a big gap behind him. The first two the uh, defender managed to get, but that third one did manage to get over the head. I didn't see who got the initial header, but it crashed back off the bar, down to Joe Aribo, who inside the six-yard box stabbed it between the keeper's legs and into the back of the net. And Charlton are 1-0 up. That one's for you, Tell. Solly on the overlap if he wants him, and quicker. eventually does. Needed to move the ball quicker, as Greg says. Solly plays it inside to Reeves, and now Rebo on the edge of the area tries to get the ball in towards the near oh, post. Oh, what a chance. It's a lovely flick from Carlin Gran on the edge of the six-yard box, but it's just drifted wide of that far post. But a wonderful opportunity for the Addicts to double their lead. Reeves picks it up right on the centre circle, and then swings it out ball. to Lyle Taylor. And Taylor's got Solly bombing down. He needs to get catch up and he does and then Lyle Taylor instead clips it towards the back post and Carlin that's it come on Carlin Grant has scored it was a wonderful ball in from Lyle Taylor it looked like he was going to feed it to Solly who was going on the overlap but instead right footed he drifted it in towards the back post it went over the head of all of the Doncaster players and there was Carlin Grant on the edge of the six yard box unmarked it looked like he hadn't got enough on his header to direct it in and it bounced once and I think the keeper should have done better because I think the keeper had a chance to palm it round the post and instead palmed it into his own net and on, what are we 32 minutes and Charlton are 2-0 up and it all came with just talking about Christian Billick's ability to bring it out from the back his ability to to find the man and this time again he, he steps out of defence and he's so good at this Billick gets his head up and it was a ball forward towards Reeves it was outstanding it took out three Doncaster midfielders Reeves turned immediately went to the left to, to Taylor and Taylor who's uh, had a quiet start to the opening 30 minutes for, um, from his usual credentials. It's a fantastic cross to Grant. And Grant, for me, it gets it on target, which is the main thing. It doesn't get much power in the header. And he, initially, we thought the goalkeeper's going to parry this away and it's going to be a missed opportunity for the Addicts. Instead, the goalkeeper doesn't do enough and just palms it into the back of the net and Charlton will make it too. The referee blows his whistle. It's going to be Ward or Reeves. Reeves steps over it, leaves it to Jamie Ward, who gets it through the oh, wall and it's hit the post. And the header back in from Reeves and it's gone wide. But the free kick from Jamie Ward went through the wall, bounced straight back off the post. We said Solly had waved bodies forward and that was exactly why, in case there was a rebound, it broke to Ben Reeves. His shot was steered wide. The referee does bring this first half to an end. From the free kick, got it forward to Ward. He plays it inside to Aribo, bursts into the penalty area and then has a go Ooh. himself. When he had Lyle Taylor open on the edge of the six-yard box and Morosi has saved the ball and tried to clear it quickly. Bielik backpedalling gets his head ball bounce before bringing it down and then tries to flick it back first time to Aribo. He doesn't, but the second time he does. And Aribo with the ball into Carlin Grant and Taylor at the back post. Oh. And Taylor slipped as he hit it and the ball bobbled, bounced off Andrew and Charlton have won a corner. But a real opportunity, both Charlton strikers at that back post and seem to be marking each other. And I think maybe just a bit of confusion about which of them was going to go for it. Against uh, Anderson, gets the ball in right footed and awards there and it's broken to a rebound on the edge of the oh, area. That's a great chance. Oh, he had what so much space on the edge of the area. Just tried to pass it into the bottom corner, left footed. It's inches wide of the right hand post. The Addicts so close to go three goals up. Solly throws in and there's the full time whistle as Charlton comfortably defeat Doncaster 2-0 in the end at the Valley. 
So there we go, the highlights there. I'm fairly confident none of that action happened within the last 30 minutes or no so chance. of the game. But um, comfortable in the end and uh, good good commentary work from uh, from yourself and, and Greg there, Tom. So well done. Um, yeah, pleasing, pleasing. We needed that. Yeah, we did. And and, and the game started quite scrappy. And uh, in the build-up, Greg and I were talking about it and saying, I think Doncaster are going to be one of those teams that come here and they play quite expansive and they open up. So there's going to be space at the back and... I think to a large extent there was, even for that first 15 minutes before we went ahead, but neither team could really finish. And and they got forward a few times, and, and Mason, uh, their right back, had a couple of shots from the edge of the box that he dragged one wide and hit the other one wide with his left foot. And up the other end, we had a couple of corners, which I'm sure we'll touch on when we come to the goal, that didn't quite get over that first man. And we were just, both teams were kind of testing each other a little bit, but it was quite scrappy and it just looked like, it looked like two teams that had lost their last two games, which it was. Um, And then as the first half wore on, we took a little bit of control, I thought, and, and obviously went went in front, um, but yeah, I mean overall it, it wasn't a great game, but it, it got the result we needed, which yeah. is obviously the main thing. Because it's fair to say that we didn't start the best, and I think it was open. It was an open game, and Donny had the better chances uh, in the opening twenty minutes or so. Definitely, I mean they had that uh, fairly it forced a really good save from Jed Steer actually mm. from Herbie Kane sort of early on. <laughs> what a name. That was <laughs> great name, Herbie yeah. K- yeah, yeah, great great name. Um, yeah, early on, that was you know that's a worry. But then from there, I can't really remember Donny having too many clear cut mm. chances, to be honest. Well, as soon as we took the lead, it seemed it seemed like a different game. Mm. Now, obviously, the team news beforehand uh, was what a lot of people were scrambling for, and it's a case of people being available as well as Bayer choosing to, to play that. But it was reverting to the team that played. Uh, Barnsley here at the Valley a couple of weeks ago. That was our last win in the league. Obviously, we then dropped points at home to Oxford and, and away at Rochdale. Um, the main headline of that, of course, is the fact that Christian Billick drops back into the defence alongside uh, Jason Pierce with Darren Prattley on, on the bench instead. And I mean, we spoke to him after the game, uh, Billick, and you can read that tomorrow in the South London Press, but he, he clearly looks more comfortable there. And he's so good. Uh, I mean, Prattley was fine, but. Billick is very, very good at, yeah. at defending. Yeah, and uh, he said it to us in here as well, off air. And um, yeah, I think we'd spoken about it on Thursday, and we'd all said that's what we'd like as well. Uh, and maybe we'll touch on the sort of squad rotation and those Tuesday nights a little bit again after we've heard from Boya because he he mentions it there. But the frustration has been that those Tuesday night performances and the Saturday Tuesdays are where we've struggled when we've played once a week. Our results have been okay and. As you say, if it wasn't for that, chances are he wouldn't have had to rotate quite as much and we would have been able to start with that lineup again because, well, you saw it against Barnsley. I mean, it, it worked and then we've reser- uh, reverted to it again yesterday and, and it worked again. And it's not rocket science. It's a good formation. They're players in their right position and, and they clearly all enjoy playing there. And, and as you say, Billick echoed that yesterday. So I was pleased when it got announced. Um, I did wonder whether Prattley was going to play in there as well to try and restrict Doncaster's attacking threat, but I think I overestimated that because they were poor, I thought, going forward in the most part of the game. Um, and Cullen did, did the job reasonably well. But yeah, I thought, and again, we'll, we'll talk about what Boya said, but I, I didn't want to pick out too many people as individuals because I thought everyone played well, but Billick had a particularly good game, I thought. Yeah, in terms of that opening, so like I say, I think Doncaster had the better chances in the opening, but it doesn't. it's not to say that we weren't moving the ball around nicely. We forced a couple of corners. It was from one of those 
you know, good moves, forcing a corner that we eventually took the lead. Now, the corner went in towards the near post. It was actually the defender that, that got his face onto it, and it came off. We're thinking either the post or the bar. We can't tell. It might be the angle. Uh, and Aribo, who had put him under pressure in the first place to force him into that mistake, uh, taps home at the near post. Now, I'll be, we've been thinking over the last few weeks, we need the midfield to start pitching in with a few more goals because we've been too reliant, I think, on, on Lyle Taylor and Carlin Grant. So great for Joe. It's his third goal of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought he was another player so that stood out a little bit. He just has this ability in, in tight spaces. He's just so good with his feet. And from, from up in the North Upper, you see him in this un, under so much pressure and somehow he still manages to escape with the ball. Uh, and he's he's hard working and I was really happy for him yesterday to get another goal um, but we've got those goal scoring midfielders haven't we we've got you know the likes of Ben Reeves and the likes of Jamie Ward who was very goal scoring in his, tight, in his prime yeah, but obviously neither have scored a goal yet this season no exactly and it'd be nice for him to start pitching in absolutely but you know Joe Joe yesterday I thought he had, he had a phenomenal game yeah, he's a, he's a decent player. Obviously, Joe, uh, Joe, I saw him at Nando's after the game against Barnsley, and so obviously that's enough to spur him on to get his first goal uh, of the of the season. It's nice to have that bit of luck as well, actually. A corner hitting mm. a post or cleared off the line and actually dropping to one of our players, because we never seem to... I don't know if that's just me, but we never seem to get luck like that. Yeah, particularly after Rochdale, where we missed a penalty and hit the bar and hit the post and had all those chances that hadn't gone our way, but... You could see it, and again, we said it in commentary, that those first couple of corners, there was a clear tactic to just beat that first man because there was a gap just behind him. And those first two, Cullen was basically trying to get it like a millimetre over that guy's head. And the first couple he didn't, and he was able to get it away. But that third one just skimmed over his head into that little dangerous area. And it caused chaos because it was their defender that got their head to it, and they were backtracking. And as you say, we still had to get a bit of luck for it to end up at Aribo's feet, but that was clearly a, a, a planned move and, and it paid off. And clearly, and also the, the, the first goal clearly important in this game because it, it just seemed to knock Donny out their stride. Now, um, I was speaking to my colleague from BBC Radio, wherever Doncaster is, Sheffield, Yorkshire, I don't know. And, um, and we were talking about, um, you know, apparently Doncaster have a bit of a habit of if they concede once and that they have a habit of sort of falling apart. And we saw that as soon as we got our goal, then for the rest of the first half, they they weren't really part of the game. It was just us doing all the attacking. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know when we alluded to the show on Thursday, when you spoke to the guy from the Sheffield Star, he sort of put Donny across as this all-out attacking side. And apart from the opening stages, especially after the goal, I didn't see any of that. I, I was really disappointed with the way Donny performed yesterday, considering where they are on the table. I mean, they're only, only a place below us now, yeah. really. Well, there's less than a month ago, they were third. Yeah, exactly. And, and Grant McCann was picking up, you know, maybe it's the manager of the month. They're yeah. the hoodoo. Of course, yeah, um, yeah. They, uh, they they were clearly disappointed. Now, as as the game went on, we had that good chance where Ariba, I think it was, squared it to Grant, and he just just couldn't quite get it the, the right angle on his foot, and it just sort of skimmed wide off the far post. But he put that right within five minutes. Now, I and mean, this is, I love the way that our two strikers work together. Now, uh, another good move. Um, Lyle Taylor had the ball sort of just outside the corner of the penalty area. There's someone on the overlap on the left, and I was thinking, just feed it to him. It must have been a yeah, rebo, I imagine. Solly, I think. Was it Solly? It? Yeah. Also Solly getting forward. And I was just thinking, feed it to him. And he pulled it back onto his right foot, and I was actually a bit disappointed. Yeah. But then he floated this cross. It was just inch perfect. So, I mean, the Doncaster players are going to be disappointed with the defending because the two of them have gone to the ball, mm. really, when the one nearest Grant should have dropped back and the one nearer the ball should have gone to it. But he's gone over both of them, and Grant's powered a header. Now, if we're being honest, he's powered it straight to keeper. And the keeper's had a massive uh, disaster there and just pumped into his own net. Yeah, yeah, the finish was actually quite poor. But uh, that link-up play again. Um, uh, and what was pleasing, I think, was about a, a minute or two before the start of that move, Billick had tried to play it out from the back and he'd got himself caught up and he'd resorted to sort of passing it to Pierce hurriedly and Pierce had to get a clearance away. And then you saw Jacko say 
to him next time you get it be a bit more direct like don't lump it long but be a bit more direct and uh that next move steer gets the ball rolls it out to billick he takes it round his man like he'd done before and instead of just messing around with it plays a good ball into reeves reeves obviously then switches it straight out to uh to lyle taylor and like you we were saying on comms you see solly on the overlap you want him to do that taylor make that run into the box and and help grant out in the middle but instead he clipped that ball in and, and the moment it left his boot you could see it was going to find Grant's head and you could see those defenders were nowhere near it. You think, great, he's going to finish that and then he almost messed it up but uh, yeah, keeper will take another look at that and be disappointed but for us it was it was a good, uh, good move, good link-up play from the two strikers. Another goal for Carlin which is obviously great uh, and we were 2-0 up which, as I say, we, we haven't seen too much this no, season. Yeah, I mean that goal was, uh, was tailor-made. I wish nice. I thought that yesterday. It's maybe just over 24 hours. Think of that. Put, put that in the match report. Um, yeah, and that that bit of daylight, like we say, we, we too often this season we we've thrown away winning winning positions. Uh, not quite like Oxford did yesterday, of course, from three nil up. Uh, luckily, they didn't crumble. Luckily, didn't they crumble. didn't crumble after Phew. that. Yeah, after they conceded three goals in six minutes. But uh, yeah, we, we have well, we needed that daylight, and and it gave us the, the the cushion to actually have a really comfortable second half. Exactly, it's something we we're desperate for. I always feel like season season after season, we we're not great at pulling away from from sides we always seem to win by those narrow margins and it's always sort of edgy your seat nail biting stuff as, as you head to the final whistle so I was I was happy yesterday to get that second goal and the second half was just so you know it was it was a bit boring but it was so comfortable <laughs> you didn't really feel like we were going to throw the lead away so yeah a, a professional uh, performance I bet you'd be really happy with that yeah. and um yeah, big three points really, considering mm. where they were on the table before, yeah. before nearly, yesterday. Nearly had the third goal just before half time. Now this would have been big for us because mm. if Ward gets off the mark and, and scores a goal, then maybe that will set him on a little bit of a run. But it's a free kick. He was very clever. He seemed to play it almost through the wall, yeah. uh, and it smacked off the post. Um, obviously, uh, Reeves just uh, just headed it wide. Um, like I say, that if it had gone three now at half time, that would have been it. But uh, a good effort. And it, you know, you were saying you spoke to Bo sort of off the record, well not off the record, but off air about Ward and you say it's quite clear how impressed he is with Wardy yeah and he basically talked about the fact that or we were telling or talking to Bowie about the fact that Ward doesn't seem to need to look when he's passing he just knows where the players are already and and Bowie said well that you know that's his championship class that's what you get the step above and not only that but the free kick again to spot that there was that gap in the wall and try that as well I mean yeah, again, I don't want to pick out too many individuals just from yesterday, but Ward, since coming in, has just shown that class above and he, he can just pick out a pass from almost anywhere. As I say, it's, it's in, almost looks instinctive because he's always looking around. He knows where players are. So he, when the ball comes to him, he hasn't got to take a touch. He hasn't got to look. He knows where they are. And uh, yeah, I'd be very surprised if Bowyer isn't trying to keep hold of him for a little bit longer. I don't know whether he will uh, be able to or not, but mm. I certainly think he, he would want I mean, to. Wardy certainly seemed up to it when we yeah, spoke to him a couple exactly. of weeks ago, but it's, there's all sorts of different finances and whatnot that, that could be called into question. Last tweet in from Karen, saying she listened to Charlton Live with uh, Terry Killersbeard uh, whilst Home Alone uh, is playing in the background. What a good Sunday evening. Yeah, that is a very good Sunday evening. Home Alone is one of the best films of all time. So I hope you're all right, uh, all right Terry uh, and Karen. We'll see you soon, Tell. Uh, keep keep going, big man. Um, half time, obviously, great to see Sebo doing the work. Always, <laughs> as, as always, it, always great to see it anywhere, especially on the on the pitch. Uh, we'll talk more about Sebo later on. Um, yeah, so it's start of the second half, and we did have that sort of verb still going. We we, we saw a couple of chances. Arebo had that nice move where perhaps I think he should have squared it. But mm. he, he tried to go for goal from from a tight angle. Uh, there was another one where it was looped over towards the far post, and Lyle Taylor. Obviously, we know he's playing with an injury, but he just fluffed his volley, which is not what I was expecting to see. Because if he had caught that, there's no way he was missing that. If he'd got enough uh, connection on it, but yeah, maybe after that, that 
fast start to the second half. I'd say maybe the last 30, 35 minutes was quite dull, <laughs> if, which is fine with me when we're 2-0 up. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's comfortable, wasn't it? I mean, I remember there was that chance with Igor, sort of a deep cross from Marshall, but I think he just, that mm. was more sort of headed across goal. But apart from that, um, there wasn't too much. Yeah, really. I mean, had that one from the edge of the box as well, just on the hour mark, which he, which he dragged wide. But yeah, I guess the big news of the second half was the fact that now we know that Lyle Taylor was a doubt in the build-up with his stomach muscle injury. He went off after an hour where I was sort of hoping, oh, hopefully it's just a precaution just to keep him fresh. For, for for Tuesday up at Warsaw, but it doesn't sound like he's going to be involved at all now. And, and that, I mean, that's going to be interesting to see how we go on Tuesday now. Yeah, and, and it's obviously a big loss. And again, we spoke about that on Thursday and said, you know, any side would miss him. But I suppose the good news is that when Igor came on yesterday, he looked a bit more lively than we've seen before. He showed a couple of really good bursts of pace in that second half. Um, so that's a little bit comforting that at least we've got someone that can come in and, and hopefully do a job. I, I don't expect him to perform to the level that Taylor has because Taylor's been outstanding since coming here. But if he can put in a decent performance alongside Carlin, who's obviously going to be in a little bit of form and, and buzzing after that goal yesterday as well, then then there's no reason we can't go there and get something. Um, and again, with like a Rebo scoring, Ward looking dangerous. You know, we, we've got other options and we, we need goals from across the pitch. We can't rely on Lyle for the whole season because if an injury like this does come around, we need other people to be able to step in. So it's frustrating he won't be there, but obviously after, well, I say after Tuesday, now he's got a long rest to recover. So mm, And yeah, so you're going to look at it only Tuesday in the league and then it's Mansfield in the Cup next week, which we don't expect he would have no. featured in anyway. Um, just, just perhaps there was one moment which could have been a turning point if it had gone the wrong way for us, but it was a good break from Donny and Alfie May was just about to pull, pull the trigger, wasn't he, on the edge of the area. And Ben Reeves now has been a bit of a revelation this season, really, when you think how he could be fairly inconsistent at times last season. Uh, he dived. And that, also, I don't think this is something we really, a side of his game we really saw too much last season, but tracking back and putting in a, a last-ditch challenge, a brilliant challenge. I think the reason he came off because he had a, a tiny knock from this challenge. But that, that last-ditch challenge to put Alfie May off when it looked like he was going to pull one back. I mean, that's, that's one of those moments where the game can sort of pivot and, and go the other way. So it's such an important challenge. Exactly, like you say, it's one of those game-changing moments, and um, I've been impressed with Ben Reeves all season. To be honest, he's since he's come in, he didn't have a, a fantastic pre-season due to injury. So to come in and perform at the level he has, um, and consistently as well, he, he, like we say, he hasn't been, he wasn't consistent at all last season. Got better as the season wore on towards the towards the end and into the playoffs, but this season he's he's looked fantastic and showing a side to his game that maybe we haven't seen yet, but. Also, his his work going forward as well. He seems to just pick these pick these passes and get attacking moves going as well. And he's just yeah, a, a complete revelation this year. Mm. He's he's been fantastic. And a great cameo from uh, Marshall when he came on, which mm. is you know, again someone who he's, he's been pretty much ghosted out of the squad recently. So he he needed to prove himself. Um, you know, much much like Billick did yesterday. I think he got pulled off a Rochdale at half time. He, he needed to come in and prove himself. Marshall stake a claim to still be involved with his squad because you. Know, he, you're looking a week ago, you're thinking we're probably never going to see him again at this rate. But he's come in and he's put in a decent shift. A couple of lovely crosses into the box. Could have could have had an assist if, if Igor had uh, been a bit luckier with the defender at the far post. So he'll be pleased with how he performed yesterday. Yeah, and when that substitution happened, we thought it was going to be Lapsley. It seemed like the, the right natural replacement. So you see Marshall come on and you think, wait a second, this is the guy that's not really had much of a chance at all. under. Oh, that's not fair. He's had chances under Boya, but Boya clearly hasn't been impressed with what he's seen. So you're a little bit like, right, okay, that's an interesting one. But um, I guess he adds something defensively as well. We know the tracking back he can do. And yeah, I thought he played very well. Similarly, Saar, when he came on, um, because I think, was it Wilkes that came on for them, looked looked a little bit more dangerous. So Solly was basically swapping flanks with him. 
Um, so Saar came into left back. I wonder whether that might be something we employ on Tuesday if Jig Steele's not fit. Um, and he did well as well. So again, it's one of those things where we've now got substitutes. Not every game, because obviously we do get injuries. But yesterday was one of those games where all of our substitutes, I thought, didn't necessarily make a difference, but certainly put a shift in, looked okay. And it, it's a squad game, and we're going to need the squad, particularly through the winter, where games come thick and fast. And on those cold nights, you're obviously more susceptible to injuries. So we're going to need players like that. Mark Marshall, how much game time he'd get, I'm not sure. But uh, he certainly did himself no harm yesterday. I mean, let's put this into context. That win uh, makes us jump up. We were 13th before, we're now up in 8th. Obviously, we, we overtake Doncaster in in, uh, in doing so. Um, three points off, off the top six now with, with our game in hand, which is obviously Tuesday at Walsall. Now, that I mean, that's big psychologically. If we can get back into that top six with a win on Tuesday, or even get a point, but still be you know within touching distance. Because 13th, when, when you're sitting in 13th in League One, it doesn't feel too good, does it? No, not at all. When, when you see yourself in that in that bottom half, it's, it's, it's not nice whatsoever. So, you know, if we get, get the win Tuesday, where we've got the better goal difference of the two sides ahead of us, you know, of, of Accrington and Coventry, we've, we've got a more superior goal difference. So that plays in our favour. And it's just, yeah, mentality-wise, it's nice to see itself in that top six, especially with us going into an international break. We'll probably be a, a bit of movement next Saturday when we're unable to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so to try and make that ground up now uh, and then hit the ground running when we get back to league action um, will be will be good for all the players. Mm. Obviously, Bayou had asked during the week for this reaction from, from the Rochdale game, and in particular talking about competing physically in the midfield and also making sure that when we are in possession of the ball that we're more lively we're moving the ball quicker uh, and when I spoke to him yesterday and the same as when you spoke to him Tom he was he was so pleased wasn't he so whereas you know a fan will come away from a game that's seen a tuna win probably not the most entertaining game they're ever going to see particularly in the second half you know we'll come home pleased but Boya will see exactly what he asked for and it, he, he speaks about you know he, he asked specifically for a reaction from Christian Billick for example he was singled out last week uh, for for a little bit of uh, not telling off as such but he pointed out they didn't feel we played too well yeah. and he said yesterday this is why I speak to the players like this because I want a reaction from them yeah and uh he said, I think he said to me, uh, we'll have to have a listen, but I'm pretty sure he said that every time he's asked for reaction, he's got one. And I can't think of too many examples where we've gone on a, a long losing streak under him. Maybe it hasn't happened straight away. And I know there was one game in particular, I think was it towards the end of last season, where we didn't bounce back straight away. But then the next game, we were very comfortable with a victory. And I don't get the feeling that under Boya, you're going to be allowed to lose too many games in a row. He's just not going to let that happen. And uh yeah, he he questioned some of the performances the other day. He's got the response he wanted. It's now about, right, can I build on that momentum and make them go again on Tuesday? And I feel like when we're good and when we when we go into games and then we start to struggle, it's more complacency than anything else. Because, again, we spoke to, to Christian off-air yesterday when he was waiting to do his interview. And we said, who's the best team you faced? And he struggled to name anyone. And I've said it consistently on the show here that I don't think we've really played anyone that's been better than us. The games we've lost have been our own fault. And whether that is complacency, whether it's lack of fitness, whether it's, I don't know what it is, whether it's just a bit of bad luck, I'm not sure. But he seemed to think perhaps Barnsley. And he he said Rochdale played okay at the weekend as well. But he couldn't really pick anyone out. And I think that speaks volumes that you've got a player coming down to this level and saying, I'm not not scared of anyone. We're, We're the better team. And so the players clearly have the right attitude. It's just about... Those games like Tuesday where you've come off a good win, so your momentum's high, you are a little bit tired because you only played three days ago. Can you keep that momentum going and get that other result, knowing that you've hopefully got a couple of weeks break off the back of it? 
Right, let's hear what Lee Bowyer had to say about yesterday's win. Don't forget, you can have your say as well. You can email us, studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive. There's a thread on the Charlton Live forum uh, for tonight's show as well. Let us know what you made of yesterday's uh, win. And we're also asking the question, after Seb Lewis uh, completed his remarkable feat of a 1,000 consecutive games uh, without missing one, which still <laughs> sounds bizarre when you say it, going all the way back to 1998. We want to know what incredible feat you've achieved uh, supporting Charlton. Tell us about that game where you had to walk for 100 miles just to see the game or you left work, uh, snuck out from work and got sacked because you wanted to go and see us lose 2-0 at Scunthorpe or something. Just let us know anything like that. Studio at charltonlive.co.uk. Uh, you can tweet us at Charlton Live or head over to the Charlton Live forum and have your say on tonight's show. Right, let's have a listen to Tom's interview uh, with Lee Bayer and obviously the Addicts manager was very, very pleased with the reaction that he got from his side. Uh, yep, yeah, delighted. Um... I think back to front, we was very good today. We competed and we moved the ball how we normally move the ball. Um, so I just said to him, that was the perfect professional performance. It's not going to be pretty for 90 minutes, you know, 95 minutes of what we played today. It's going to be times when you have to dog it out and it's going to be times they're going to have a bit of possession, obviously, Anthony coming off at the end and having to put Naby on and we have to shuffle things around and asking Carlin to drop in into the midfield role and but they they all done well I thought that was all exceptional I think Jed clean sheet again against two good teams that's Barnsley and, and now Doncaster because they're a good side and um, another clean sheet Jed done well first half first couple of minutes made a good save but after that I don't think they really they really created too much after that yeah they had a bit of possession at times and they maybe put a couple of crosses in but we, we defended well and uh, I think our midfield I think we was exceptional in the middle of the park competed won the ball moved the ball quick and two strikers obviously working well together again low great pass outstanding pass and it's another goal that starts from our goalkeeper's hands. Um, set plays, been working on them last couple of days. Our analysis, Brett and, and Jacko and Marsh, they, they work hard on them set plays, you know, and we see that that was another weakness of theirs and, and, and again you get the goal from it. It's part of the game. But the second goal was, was very good. Um, if we can keep scoring goals from the goalie's hands and throwing it out and then going up the other end without them touching it and scoring we're doing something right If we go back to the start you went with the same start in 11 as you did against Barnsley what was your thinking behind that? You made a couple of changes over the last couple of games Because I I liked what I see against Barnsley um, I tried to change a couple of things in the, in the other games but Obviously, at home, we're a footballing side, and so I, I went back to that, and I knew I'd get the reaction um, that I got, especially after what was said last Saturday. I always get the right reaction. They're, they're great lads, and, and they're all winners, and we all get disappointed, you know. That's everybody when we don't win games. So um, I knew I'd get the right reaction from. Them. 
I thought the game started a bit scrappy really from both teams but we go ahead from a corner um, and we'd seen two or three corners from Josh Cullen from that side basically just trying to clear that first man into that little gap behind him first couple didn't quite come off but that third one did was that a deliberate thing is it something again that Jacko's been working on yeah yeah, that was something that was working on the last couple of days and we see that that was a weakness of theirs um, and and that's part of the game set plays and it's part of the game and if you can get goals from it they're bonus goals you know um, probably just settled us down a little bit I think that goal once we scored I think then that's when we started to move the ball more confidently and, uh, and that was definitely something that we needed and uh, we spoke uh, on commentary before the game about the fact we've had to rely a little bit particularly in recent weeks on, on Carlin and Lyle so great for uh, for Joe Rebo to score another goal would he perhaps have expected a few more by this stage of the season yeah that's free for Joe um, to be fair to him <laughs> to be fair to all of them I've been saying I said the same to him today I'm, I'm expecting more people to start chipping in with goals now and, and Joe stepped up and, and got what that's his third of the season so if he carries on he, he'll end up in double figures I think in and around it it's not bad for a midfielder um, but yeah and the way we play as well it's like we we move the ball to get the forwards the chances anyway you know so uh, yeah but I'm, I'm sure that others are start chipping in soon Reeves is due a goal um, Waldy hit a post today unlucky created some good chances for others um, so yeah we, we start chipping in all over the pitch we were, I'm sure well, after that first goal we started to control the game a little bit more um, and then we, we didn't create a huge amount but we scored that second goal just talk us a little bit more about that because as you say it started with Jed Steer and then Bielik who'd almost been guilty of overplaying it just a second before and we seemed to see Jacko say next time you get it be a bit more direct and he was like a minute later he feeds Reeves Reeves to uh, to Taylor and a brilliant ball through to Carlin who maybe didn't get the best connection on it but uh, got it on target and we're 2-0 up and that's something we haven't seen a huge amount this season yeah yeah well you've just described the goal so there's no point me doing the same um, that, must, yeah. that must please you that, that back to yeah. front and that quick movement yeah. particularly against the team who are pressing us quite high up the pitch yeah yeah, and, and but that's what we practice every day we practice receiving the ball in tight areas and playing one and two touch like we do it every single day mm. and and that's why I do get frustrated when we don't and we get caught in possession and we take three four touches no one can take three four touches because you're always going to get caught so um, it's great to see like to, and like you said to go from the goalkeeper up the other end and score without him touching the ball is, um, it's not easy and we've done it a few times this season so um, so yeah it's, it's good to watch for, for me and hopefully the fans Hello necessarily want to put, pick out one player because I thought everyone performed well as, as you said earlier but just talk a little bit about Bielik's performance because he, he came in for some criticism he, he was obviously came off at half time um, but he was back in that centre back position today and I have to say I thought he was absolutely outstanding Yeah and, and if I'd have played him in the middle of the park he'd have still been outstanding because he's a great lad great professional and, and like when when you say stuff about people's performances it's never personal mm. like like I'm here now saying how good he was so when I do say negative stuff it, it's nothing that I don't say to them mm. 
I would never say anything to, to, to anybody else that I wouldn't say to them. And, and the reason why I do it is because then I get this reaction. And, and that's the reaction that I want. And I, I know how they think. And um, Christian was outstanding. He's a great dad. He's been excellent all week. All of them. Every single day we trained this week, they was outstanding. They set their standards back up there, where it's always been. So, um, and, and we'll go again Tuesday. And uh, Lyle and Anthony, are they both okay? Uh, Lyle, no. Lyle... I just basically I begged the physio Friday to just let me have him Saturday yeah he he shouldn't have really played today but Lowell put himself on the line and said look I'll, I'll go out there give me some painkillers I'll go out there and, and I said look just give me an hour and that's it so he's done now and okay. we've got a, got a break mm. well we've got a break for a while so he's um yeah he's done Anthony just a bit of tightness in his hamstring so hopefully he's okay um, so yeah ok uh, and just off the pitch uh, Seb Lewis today announced he's his got a, a thousandth consecutive game as a fan yeah. you got a word for him thank you <laughs> must be crazy travelling all over the well it's all over the place I'm sure I see him in Ireland did I see him I must have seen him in Ireland Very pre-season yeah. pre-season I've seen him in Ireland last season and yeah um, credit to him and thank you very much to, to do what he's he's done is is unreal that's 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 real support there so uh, yeah thank you and then finally just obviously a game in three days it's away from home um, do we have to change things up particularly with injuries and play a little bit differently at Warsaw yeah I've got to definitely go and see how they are tomorrow because again this I think that affects us when we play Saturday Tuesday mm-hmm. Saturday because of the effort that they've just gone and put out there today it's hard to do it again on Tuesday and if you look at our record, like when we play Saturday, 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 I think we've won every game. So then, them Tuesday ones, I might just ask the DFA if they can just cancel our Tuesdays and maybe extend the season and give us just Saturday games and then we'll be all right. So, no, no, seriously, um, yeah, we'll have to just assess them all tomorrow and see who's good and, and go from there. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. He's got Grant inside of him. Uses him as a decoy. Takes a shot. Oh, oh my God. Come on. Oh, come on. What a finish. Come on. Lyle Taylor. Use Grant as a decoy. And a right foot shot from the right hand. Well, the left hand edge just charting attack of the penalty area. Absolutely arrowed into the top corner. O'Donnell had no chance at all and charting a 2 0 up.
Carroll, a heavy defeat at Burnley today. How do you sum that one up? We were good. Charlton Live. Oh, yeah, we have, yeah, didn't have any mascots <laughs> yesterday, so I thought I'd play you that again just to he cheer was you up. Basically, a mascot, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, a mascot probably glorified manager. Yeah. Uh, right, that was Lee Bowyer speaking to Tom after yesterday's uh, two 0 win here at the Valley against Doncaster Rovers. Thanks to Lee for for coming in and speaking to us. Don't forget later on in the show. By the way, we're going to hear from uh, Seb Lewis, who was mentioned by Lee there, uh, congratulating him on his f- uh, superb one thousand game uh, run. We're also going to hear from Gemma Bryan from China Athletic Women later on in the show. But um, yeah. Bo's uh, clearly very happy with the performance, Tom. Yeah, got the response he wanted, as he said. So, um, yeah, pleased with how everything came off. And as I say, it, I almost wanted to touch on the inconsistency, but he kind of led led on that himself and said, look, it's the, the Tuesday nights are killing us, basically. Um, and he, he obviously, as manager, needs to find a way to, to stop that happening. Um, but I, I kind of agree with him. I think if we were playing Saturday, 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 I think we'd be fine. But... We're not going to. That's the way this division works, and we need to find a way to to combat those Tuesday nights. And obviously, starting in a couple of days' time. But uh, yeah, he seemed in good good spirits yesterday. Obviously, we know about his management style in terms of uh, specifically what he said to, about Christian Billick last week at, at Rochdale. Now, I noticed he came in for a little bit of criticism on the forum actually for for uh, what people said was singling a player out. And um, like I say, he certainly he I think he knew what he was doing because when I spoke to him yesterday. Uh, for BBC, he was saying, look, when I say things about the players, it's because I want to get this reaction, and that was the reaction I wanted. So he knew what he was doing, and he got the reaction he wanted. So in these circumstances, you can understand why he would demand more from a player who he knows could have played better than he did last week. Well, exactly, and Christian showed yesterday just what he is capable of. So, I mean, you can't argue with Bowyer there. I mean, if he did that to get a reaction, I mean, he really got one yesterday. Billick, we know, is probably up there as man of the match I thought he I thought he was brilliant and you know he you don't mind Bowie sort of digging the players out if they're going to if they're going to perform like that off the back of it then he's got to keep doing it mm. <laughs> he was brilliant yesterday yeah and as you know still le- learning and learning as he goes on as an elite Bowie um, I, I think one thing I, I've said recently um, is that he he's not afraid to change things when he knows he's made a mistake and that's that's something that's really positive because as we've said a few times you know Perhaps that didn't really happen under Carl. Perhaps we were too rigid in, in one way of playing. Now, Bose is quite happy to try something different. If it doesn't mm. work, puts his hands up and he reverts to, to what did work. And that's exactly why I asked him that question, because I, I didn't know if it was necessity or whether it was a choice that he'd made those changes over the last couple of weeks. And he kind of alluded to the fact it was both. Um, but you're right, if something doesn't work, he's prepared to change it. Uh, and that's obviously something that's in, in stark contrast to, to Carl when we had him as manager. But... One of the questions I didn't get to ask him as well, unfortunately, but would have liked to have done was about them, uh, Doncaster, because they obviously had to change it at half-time yesterday. And I I wondered how much that pleases you as a manager to see the other team forced to try and change it up. And even when they changed, they failed as well. Um, But yeah, I'm sure he'll be pleased that to go back to that formation and to see it work again it's just about obviously can he do exactly the same Tuesday or does he again need to go back to the drawing board look at Warsaw look at how they play and try and change it again and and you would think he'd do that Right, let's have a look at some of the tweets uh, that have come in. Don't forget, you can have your say on yesterday's performance. You can email us, studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive, or you can head over to the Charlton Live forum and have your say on there. We're also after your superb feats of Charlton support. So as we know, Sebo made it a a, a thousand games in a row yesterday without missing one. Goes all the way back to 1998. So I want to know what you've done that you're proud of to show your support to the club. You know, Like I said, did you walk all the way to an away game 
because you didn't have the cash to, 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 to get the bus or whatever, or did you did you hitchhike all the way up to Carlisle, anything like that? You know, have you travelled all the way from uh, across the world just to go to a specific game, anything like that? Uh, email studio at chartonlive.co.uk. Uh, quick note as well, Andrew Wheaton tweeted us yesterday saying he bought his two sons uh, by looks of it for, for their first ever game, uh, so I'm pleased that they've got off to a win for them. Uh, hopefully that means that they are now hooked for life. Right, 100% Charlton was the first one to get involved with the tweets yesterday. He said, really enjoyed the game uh, yesterday. For everyone worked hard and played outstanding. Get a win on Tuesday. We can hopefully start to build some momentum. Aribo was my man of the match. He was outstanding, getting his foot stuck in and creating chances. And he scored. He's getting better and better and uh, has so much confidence for a young man. My only worry is if he doesn't sign a new contract and someone snaps him up in January on a deal. Let's hope he signs and others as well. Uh, I think Reeves and Billick were also close to man of the match. And he says, cheer guys, uh, Lee, Lee, Lebo. Yeah, good, uh, good stuff, 100% child. Um Yeah, Rebo, like I say, he's a player that does stand out, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and for someone that's still so young, um, I thought he had another great game yesterday. Um, but it's... It's the goal again that that pleases me most because he goes through little little spells. Um, and again, in that interview, I did did mention would he expect more? But I think he's kind of just about chugging along at a rate that he'll be pleased with. But um, yeah, he just offers us that creativity in the middle. I mean, him, Reeves, and Ward at the moment on form, they're so creative, so attacking. Um, they perhaps need to support Cullen a little bit more defensively occasionally. And again, we saw Jacko telling, I think it was Ward yesterday, to try and get back a couple of times because they were guilty of just all bombing forward when perhaps they didn't need to. But yeah, Joe Ariba, I mean, Carl, uh, Carl Lee mentioned contracts in the week, didn't he? But mm. we don't know exactly who for and, and what the offers are. But um, Ariba certainly one you'd hope to tie down because he'll be one of those that mm. follows in the footsteps of, of Gomez and Lookman and, and Shelby and all those others that have made the step up, I'm sure. Yeah, we've seen reports in, haven't we, in, in, in South London Press about um, players that we're hoping to tie down on contracts. A lot of them, sort of the younger players in Ariba's involved, Carl and Grant, uh, people like that. Dylan Phillips would be an interesting one because obviously mm. he's not really getting the game time here. Um, but it's all well and good offering contracts until they actually sign them. I mean, uh, and we never know what sort of contract they're going to be offered under Roland, it, it can be it, it has the potential to be a ticking time bomb because at the end of the season we could have all of our best, you know, a lot of our best young players out of contract, so it's really important for the future of the club that they get sorted as soon as possible. Exactly, and, and you have to worry as well, sort of going into January if, if the club isn't sold by them, which I doubt it will be, what he'll do if those players aren't willing to sort of extend their contracts whether he's going to, you know, let people like Joe Rebo go for a, for a fee uh, and that's that would be that would be a real shame. So I'm hoping that Arivo sort of sees that the impact he can have here. Um, you know, we're a team pushing for promotion to the championship, which is probably the sort of step up that he he would make unless he ended up getting a, a move to a Premier League side. Um, but I think he's playing at the moment and he's playing well. So I'd like to think that he would he would stick it out here if if the right offers put in front of him. Mm. Right, Lewis Hurst said it was a top win and we need to build on it because we know, you know, it's, it's all well and good getting our second win in eight now, or, or seven, sorry, but, um, you know, Tuesday's such an important game. We are going to be hands by the fact we don't have Lyle Taylor, but it's no good winning on Saturday if we don't start to build this momentum. If we are if we are serious about making a push for the playoffs or even the top two, then there's, there's no way we can afford to, to not build on what we did yesterday yeah completely right that consistency is the key um, and that's what we've not been good at and again it's what he said in the interview it's what we all know we can't at the moment seem to get a good balance between our Saturdays and our Tuesdays and we need to figure that out because until we do we are going to be drifting around I would think we'll finish in the top half but we're going to be drifting around between 
12th and 7th, maybe scraping 6th. If we can sort those Tuesday nights out, um, then I, I have no doubt we'll finish in that top 6 because, uh, as I said earlier, we've, we've easily got the, the players to do it. We're one of the best teams in this division. I, I firmly believe that. It's just about sorting out that consistency and making sure that we continue to perform like we did yesterday and like we did at Barnsley more often. Lewis, why do you think we are so inconsistent? Can you think, is it just down to squad availability injuries or, is, or does it go deeper than that? Um, I think you, uh, you have to put a lot of it on maybe the hand we're dealt with with squad depth in terms of we lose we lose a player in a key position and maybe the lack of cover we have in those positions and being forced to play people out of their out of their comfort zone. You know, we've got we've had Chris Solly playing at left back for the last month, if not longer. Um we we were forced into the changes when Christian Billick and Patrick Bauer were both out of the team and, and we had to have Jason Pierce, you know, arguably one of our most important players playing on a weaker side and, you know, you're sort of making him ineffective then and taking him at, him out of the game when he's such a big player. And I think that that does play the part towards it, um, and it's frustrating because, like Tom said earlier, no team has outplayed us this season, really. And despite you know a couple of defeats and stuff up at Sunderland, we weren't outplayed, and we were really sort of scraping the barrel there. So I, the only thing I can put it on is is maybe the lack of squad depth uh, in those in those key areas. I mean, you look at midfield; the amount of the amount of depth we've got there is, is brilliant. Mm. Um, but left back, you know, last season we had Page and De Silva. If it happened, if it happened last year, and we'd lost one of them. At least you'd have a bit of cover. But it's just sort of, you know, it's just bad luck that this season we didn't really get anyone in to cover Lewis Page. His his cover was Naby Sarr, and he was being forced to play in the middle because we had no Christian Billick and we had no Patrick Bauer. So I think it it, it probably does come down to the squad depth. If I'm honest, mm. right? Cliff Scales says a good win yesterday. I think that's our best starting lineup, and if available, should start every game. Is there anyone who wasn't involved yesterday that you put ahead of anyone? I don't think so. Ordinarily, you'd have said Tariq, wouldn't you? But I don't think this season he's really done enough to deserve that. So, no, for me, that's our best. Yeah, I, I think, 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 think it would be a tough but... call between between Bauer and Billick. But yeah. the way mm. Billick's playing at the moment, mm. it, it would be that would be the tough yeah. one. I'm probably Page. Page yeah. come in and Solly switch back to his yeah. stronger side. But yeah, the, the tough areas are, you know, in, in the midfield. Even thinking about Jake Forster Kasky, you know, I was saying yeah. yesterday to my friend, uh, to my friend Tom that. I went to the game with. Him. Where would where would you uh, who would you drop for Jake Forster Kasky mm. if he was fit right now? That's that you know. You struggle, wouldn't you? You would, you would. And the, the mid, it shows the depth in that midfield. Like Josh mm. Cullen, phenomenal player. Yeah, yeah, really impressed with uh, with Cullen West Ham. Uh, Loney, right? Spending says brilliant performance from the whole team. Billick was outstanding. Boyer's chat with him must have done the tricks. Shame that Taylor will miss the next few games. And that, so, like, as, as we sort of said, that will be interesting now to see. If Igor can step up to the plate, or is there anyone else? It's unlikely to be a Jose, you'd think, at this time. So you're asking Igor now to step up to the plate. We did think he looked a bit more lively yesterday. Obviously, he got his couple of goals against uh, Stevenage in the checker trade. So we're now we're now we're really going to put him on him, especially if it's going to be a couple of weeks. He's going to need to step up to the plate. Yeah, yeah, and just think what it would be like if he manages to get a goal. What that will do to his confidence. But um, yeah, I think Nafe said it on Thursday. Nicky's too similar to to what Carlin offers us, so I can't see that. The other alternative would be a change of formation and maybe Fosu in some sort of attacking role as well. But given how four-two-three-one went down towards the end of Carl's reign, I'd be very surprised if he changes to that. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it'll be be Igor and Carlin. And, and whilst it's not Lyle, uh, I would say it's it's a pretty good substitute to have. You know what Cliff is saying? He thought it was a good performance and it deserved three points. But we re- we really need to follow it up with a win at Walsall. Kai says good performance. Probably should have scored more, but three points was all that mattered. I guess yeah, if you are gonna try and 
pick a, a possible negative as it is. again we had a couple of, couple more chances where we could have been slightly more clinical obviously it didn't matter yesterday but it has mattered at times before this season so so there's always room for improvement and I guess that one thing is perhaps taking more of the chances that we get well exactly you can never score enough goals can you that's um, that's the long and short of it I think Ward was unlucky yesterday that, that free kick against the post was, was a really really good opportunity mm. it was a great great effort but yeah a bit more clinical yeah we are, we are guilty of that and uh, and we have been over quite a few games this season, but we were so comfortable yesterday, I didn't think it mattered too much. Mm. Uh, John was saying he still felt nervous, uh, even at 2-0. We hoped that they were saving themselves for Tuesday. They seemed to be able to pass it around in front of our penalty area, but luckily they had no end products. I mean, a part of that will be the fact that we defended well and didn't really let them get into our box, but there was very much a feeling for particularly the last half hour or so that the job was done and we were quite happy just to see that game out. Yeah, I think we actually had only had one sort of defensive wobble in the second half. I can't remember if it was Billick that played a bit of a wayward pass and Jason Pierce had to sort of track back Cullen, and make that dive. Was it Cullen? Yeah. yeah, and Pierce had to make that make that sort of last ditch challenge and, and concede the corner. But apart from that, I, I didn't feel too nervous yesterday. Like like you said earlier, it was a pretty pretty dull uh, second half anyway. Mm. Well, here's some achievement. Uh, Roger Tras said that Mansfield on Sunday is his 82nd stadium uh, following Charlton, and he's only got 10 to go to complete the, uh, the the 92. So that'll be a a, a good one for Roger. Right, 100% Charlton said we were talking about uh, corners earlier. Says, isn't it nice that we can beat the first man this season? Cullen and Reeves have both been excellent at corner taking. Because yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that over the years our set pieces have, <laughs> have less. Uh, left you wanting a bit more, really, haven't they? Yeah, and Bowyer will say it himself. You know, the credit for that goes to Johnny Jackson. He, he's the guy that works on the set pieces. Him and Brett, they look at the other teams, they see what they can do. But you need a player that can obviously actually execute it. But yeah, they've. I mean, I don't know how many goals we've scored from corners or set pieces, but it seems like a lot. And Bowyer's always quick to praise Jacko. Um, and yeah, it's nice to to be able to have that that tactical nous to know what to do and for the players to be able to execute it. So. Yeah, like Boya said in his interview, there it's effectively a free. It feels like a free goal or a cheat goal or whatever the word he used was. It's just like a little bonus. So, mm. yeah, it's um, it's pleasing to see. It's not surprising to see that now that Jacko's in charge of organising the set pieces and designing how we're going to play them, that we score more because he had such a good record, didn't he, attacking corners? So he he certainly knows how it's done. Uh, and it's uh, paying dividends for the addicts this season right Phil from Eltham says uh, didn't go yesterday however it sounded like a decent win uh, what would be more impressive is if we follow it up with a win away to Walsall on Tuesday night it's without a doubt that we have a first 11 good enough to be a top 6 side however we have constantly dropped points against the so called smaller side in this division I think Bo said it himself during the week we tend to perform better against the bigger teams um, well, I mean what, what do we think that is? I have no idea. Do you think, just... I think if, if a team's more defensive against us, we can struggle to break them down, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Especially up in up at Rochdale. I mean, the the main factor of that was conceding so early on. I think it knocked the stuffing out of us, and we were we were chasing the game so much that we didn't really get into our game plan, and 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 that probably contributed towards that. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know what it is. It just seems to be the Charlton thing, doesn't it? I mean, apart from maybe last season when we got sort of thumped by Wigan. Apart from that, we performed. We, the Blackburn game at the end of last season, they were they hadn't really lost in God knows how long. So we seem to always turn up against the the bigger sides, if you like. I think it's just a Charlton a Charlton trait, unfortunately. But mm. um, we'll take it if we're beating the big sides. But it's just frustrating. We can't seem to take the same performances into the into the smaller teams in the division. Mm. Right on the Charlton Knife Forum, Southwest Addicts has his uh, has his say. Says a, a quite comfortable and straightforward win against an average League One club. Good to see some of our fringe players 
get a run out in Marshall and Igor. Uh, we could and should have won by more than two, but three points is the only thing that matters. Roland Walsall and another three points in our promotion hunt. Mendonca Renanza says, for me, this was a bit of a carbon copy of the Barnsley game. A couple of scrappy goals. Are we bothered, though? They all count. Uh, it says, he wish, uh, I wish every Charlton game was uh, this good to watch. How do we become good more consistently? Uh, and then he says, well done to the club for recognising Seb's uh, achievement as well. We're going to hear from Seb in a minute. Yeah, again, Mendon Kroonas is just questioning that level of consistency. Like I said, we had the job done by half-time yesterday, so I think we did take our foot off the pedal. But it's just finding... I mean, Boyer was saying he's so frustrated that we aren't that consistent and we don't do those things, the right things, every game. And he's just got to try and find that that winning formula to make sure that they do do it every week. Yeah, and I think, as I said earlier, I, for me it lo- almost looks like it's complacency and you wouldn't expect that from a team under Lee Bowyer because you'd think he wouldn't let them get complacent without sticking a, a rocket up their backside. So I, I don't know what else it is. I, I, I know we've got a small squad and I know we've had injuries, but I don't think that's an excuse enough. Um, I think it is just... I think maybe fitness. I'd be very interested to see just how hard they work on the training ground because Boya talks a lot about about the training and how well they do. But if they're being run into the ground maybe too much ahead of a, a Saturday, Tuesday, maybe it's something to do with that because, I don't know, they sometimes look a little bit leggy on those Tuesday night games. But, um, yeah, for me, the, the only explanation I can find is some sort of complacency where they think it's too easy or they think the result is just going to be come to them and maybe that's why those results are against the teams that are down there because they expect it to be slightly easier and the truth is that even against those teams like your, your Oxfords if if you play poorly you're, you're still not going to beat them so you do need to be switched on and I wonder whether maybe that's the problem Right, time to have a quick break here on the, this evening's Charlton Live. Still to come on tonight's show, we're going to hear from Seb Lewis after his remarkable achievement of attending 1,000 consecutive Charlton games. We're also going to speak to Jim O'Brien, uh, who recently surpassed 100 games for Charlton Athletic women's uh, team. Uh, she scored today and today in, uh, in the Tuna win over London Bees uh, over at the Oakwood in Crayford. Uh, so we'll speak to her as well. Quick break here on Charlton Live. We'll be back in 30 seconds. from Solly so Solly wins the ball and then stabs it forward Grant's going to put Turner under pressure Turner an experienced defender no goes way. down but no way a foul and Grant's got away and burst into the penalty area switch it across and oh, yeah. there and Turner scored in front of the away fans it was Grant up against Turner Turner went down claiming a free kick it definitely wasn't Grant burst into the penalty area fired the ball across the six yard box and there was Lyle Taylor for his third league goal of the season to knock it in Pass Mark Oxley in the Addicts in a scrappy opening 12 minutes in the second half of taking the lead. Welcome back, it's Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio on your Sunday evening, coming to you live from the Valley. Louis Mendez, Tom Wallin and Lewis Cat here in the studio. We've looked back at yesterday's 2-0 uh, win at home to Doncaster, hearing from Lee Bay. We heard the highlights as well and we've heard uh, your thoughts on it as well. An excellent win gets us back on track, hopefully. Uh, and as everyone's been saying, we, we need to build it on Tuesday night at Walsall and hopefully we will uh, do so. Now, yesterday's game was special for another reason. Now, anyone who's ever been to a Charlton game in the last 20 years 
will have bumped into Seb Lewis because it's impossible not to. Uh, he's very much one of the most uh, famous faces who travels uh, up and down the country uh, watching the Addicts. He's well known, of course, for doing the worm upon request, and he did so uh, pitch side yesterday as he's been presented with his uh, with his shirt. Always entertaining. Now you won't find a more hardcore uh, Chomp fan than Sebo. He's at every single game. He's at every single Chomp event that you go to. Uh, it, it'll always be at the, uh, the the Kent Senior Cup games and stuff like that. Pre-season friendlies. He'll travel out to Ireland. I think he went to China as well to watch him. Uh, if I remember rightly, back when he was a Premier League club, to went over to that one. Uh, and of course, as we know, he's on this remarkable run of a thousand games. Now, it, it doesn't include friendly games. It includes all the, the first team fixtures that are competitive. So you're looking at the, the league games, the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Checker Trade. Uh, I think that's everything, yeah. Uh, all, the, all, the, all the competitions that, that are counted there, he'll be there. Uh, and so yesterday was his 1,000th consecutive game. Like I say, the run started back in uh, 1998. Uh, a remarkable achievement, and we couldn't go uh, go past this uh, this achievement without speaking to Sebe yesterday. Uh, I caught up with him uh, just before the game, just because I wanted to find uh, what made him tick, uh, how he was uh, feeling uh, about completing that, of course, and if he's ever come close to, uh, to to missing the game as well. So this is what Sebe had to say, you know, exactly how he feels about passing that 1,000 game mark. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I never set out to do it, obviously, but when at the start. But now I'm here. Let's see how far it goes beyond that. Yeah, I mean, have you been looking forward to this? I've seen you've been doing countdowns on Twitter and whatnot for the last few few months. So is it something you've been looking forward to? Yeah, definitely. It's been on my mind even more since I got to 900. Yeah, that game at that place we have to go past on the train every <laughs> time the London Bridge. That game we'd rather forget. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of people will, will say that you know a thousand games in a row almost seems impossible. I mean, what's what's the closest you've come to missing one? Oh, I think the uh, home game against Gillingham in 2010, when I was had a really bad stomach bug, and then I somehow struggled to it. Probably shouldn't have gone to that game, but yeah, I somehow made it. And has, there, has, has there ever been any any games where you'd be waking up in the morning thinking, "Oh, I really don't fancy it today." I suppose they probably have, but not for a long time. Yeah. What is it that keeps you coming back so often? Nah, it's just, just, just following my team and, you know, whatever happens, whatever goes on, with what's going on upstairs and whether we're doing well or whether we're doing bad, it's just, just keep wanting to come back. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, it was, it was 1998, wasn't it, that the run started? So I guess you've seen all the ups and downs over, over that 20 years. I mean, what, what, what would you say was your favourite spell watching Charlton in that time? Probably the Premier League years and that season we went up from League One. You know, that 2011-12 season was pretty, pretty as, much, as enjoyable as the Premier League years in many ways. And the lowest? M- maybe the fall from the Premier League to the champion to League One in three years and then not being able to build on what we did in 2012. So how far do you reckon you can take this run then? Because uh, you, you're still a young man as, as, as such and only 20 years, Dan, do you reckon you can do another 20 years? Ah, can't see why not. Um, I'll keep going for as long as, long as I can, you know? you know. Keep the run going for as long as I can. And if I miss one down the line, I'll start another long run, I'm sure. And I'll say, oh, he's only missed one game in so many. <laughs> yeah. But at the moment, it's 1,000 and hopefully many, many more. 
There we go. A remarkable achievement, of course, for for Sebo. Um, uh, do, do you guys ever see yourself do, doing a run like that? No, <laughs> I do about three, and I've had enough of us because yeah. something goes wrong. Yeah, well, no, well, that's well, incredible do you, achievement. Do you know what the longest you've done? I think mine was sixty or sixty-one. I think. My, I doubt I'd be above ten. There's always something that comes up. Yeah. No, mine, yeah. mine's poor. I don't think I've done a full season home and away. No. No. There's... No, I think I, I think I've probably done a a full season of home games. Yeah. Yeah. Easily, but and then maybe sort of ten, ten away games in that year. But no, nowhere near. Mm. What what Seb's done, it's it's remarkable, and it's just uh, I'm really happy for him to get to that 1,000 yes, game because that's just such an such an incredible milestone, mm. and um, and it's just it's nice to see him at all the games as well. I mean, you know he's going to be there every time, worming away, <laughs> yeah. uh, and it's just it's great. So yeah, well done, Sebo. Yeah, it's one of those uh, it's, like I say, it's a face you always know you're going to bump into, very much part of the, you know, especially if you travel to the away games, I think, but also for the home games, you go up up, up north to watch Joel, and there's very much sort of a family feel amongst the regular travellers and you see the same faces every week and it sort of it gives you a little bit of pride you know home away from home you see all the Charlton fans together it's all part of that collective supporting the team together and uh, and, and to have you know a legend like Sebo so well respected by the supporters reach that that milestone it just makes you feel good really doesn't it your question is his, uh, his sanity at times when you see it but you know, that's what he wants to do and you know, if, if I could do it as well that's probably what I'd want to do as well I think that's the thing yeah if, if I had the opportunity I, I definitely would um, and it's just it's such a remarkable achievement because like I say I my run consecutive is probably about 10 or 15 because because other stuff comes up or I prioritise other stuff and the truth is that that Seb doesn't because you can't tell me that he hasn't had a Saturday where he's been feeling a bit rough or he's had the opportunity to do something else but he's he's chosen Charlton first and he deserves full credit I want credit to know how many family members his like, wedding he's missed and stuff <laughs> yeah. like, how many, how many people he's upset yeah. yeah well he's just tweeted in actually Seb he said that China was one of the few friendlies that eluded me so he didn't make it to China so it's just not good enough yeah so. maybe we should cancel on, this Seb. section of the yeah. show and, uh, <laughs> yeah. no Seb yeah brilliant brilliant work now obviously um because that was such a remarkable achievement from Sebo, and I doubt there'll be many people uh, who can who can match something like that. I know Rich Grove uh, tweeted the other week. I think it was something like forty years in a row he had missed a home game, uh, only only the home game. So, but still a remarkable achievement for him. Um, but I wanted to know what everyone's sort of best achievement in terms, of, you know, their, their, their most remarkable feat in, in following the club is. Now, Tom, you had a good one recently, didn't you? What's that? The long journey. Yeah, yeah. In February, I was skiing and I had to drive. At two in the morning, drive to Turin Airport, fly back from Turin. I think our flight was about six. Land over here about seven or eight. Got back to London about ten. Went in my house, dropped my stuff off, got changed, left. Got to Euston about half eleven. And then got a train straight up to Milton Keynes for a game. So that was probably... And I think I was on commentary. I think that was why. Um, And... Yeah, so then I had to be there a little bit early to obviously prep for that and stuff. So yeah, that was a, a bit of a trek. Mm, and, and Lewis, you had one even last week at Rochdale. I mean, you had a bit of an arduous uh, couple of days travelling, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I got I got um, I got delayed in uh, in Edinburgh, celebrating my birthday, and uh, luckily for me, managed to get back and watch the one nil defeat to Rochdale in the <laughs> freezing cold. Yeah. But yeah, that, nothing nothing like Seb. I mean, Seb's absolutely smashed mm. it, isn't he? There, to be fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I put it. I put it to the listeners on the forum, asking what their most uh, incredible feat of watching Charlton was. I mean, uh, Ray said that he uh, walked from Selhurst to Charlton uh, once uh, to watch a game. He said he can't remember why, but then he says it's gone full circle now because uh, he walks to lots of places and he can't remember why. <laughs> uh, we've all done that. Uh, Dave Memmott said he, that, that he was on a um, 
on the way to Southampton in 1987. Uh, he broke down in Red Hill, said left the car and got a cab uh, to the ground for £60, which was a fair bit of money back then, and jumped on the coach on the way back and picked up the, far, the, the car the following morning. And I like this one. He said he also drove up to Port Vale for a night game. The exhaust fell off on the M1 near Northampton. He made it made it to Quick Fit. He sorted it fairly quickly, uh, such is the name of Quick Fit. But, um, uh, and, uh, but he said we knew we wouldn't make kickoff and we had a choice. So we could give up and go home or drive as quickly as we could and get there for half time. So we chose the latter. My mate averaged 90 miles per hour for the rest of the journey. We made it just for the second half. He said a last minute rocket from Gritty, which made it one all, uh, made it worthwhile. Ricky Otto uh, had an impressive run of uh, 110 consecutive home and away games. Uh, it said some of his most miserable games as a Charlton fan were in that one, including two uh, 1-0 defeats away at Grimsby. But he's also there for the 4-3 win at Newcastle, of course, where he come back from 3-0 down. Uh, a 1-0 away win at West Ham in that time and going back to the Valley. Uh, he said that he said he then missed a Barnsley game, but then went on for another 75 consecutive games after that. So he made it out of 186 games. He only missed one, which is quite... Uh, impressive. Stig, now Stig said that he walked to South End for an away game, and I thought, well, that sounds quite impressive, but it transpires that he appears to live in South End. Uh, <laughs> so, so perhaps not as much. Now, Ralph Milne said, I started putting change in a jar in 1968 to make sure I had the money for our first competitive European fixture, which is uh, very good. He says, I'm now only a couple of seasons away uh, from being able to buy the club. Because <laughs> obviously we haven't, <laughs> had, we haven't had that game on, uh, unfortunately. Uh, uh, SE7 to SG3 said Huddersfield away in the 90s opening day of the season we lost 2-0 uh, talked to my dad into driving three or four of us and his gearbox blew somewhere near Northampton so we got the AA guy uh, to take us to the game wait and then drive us home quite oh, impressive service there shift from him yeah <laughs> Um, uh, right, Harry Lyme says technically I was coming home from a holiday but once got up at the crack of dawn uh, in Lake Bled in Slovenia travelled for four hours on a coach to Salzburg catched a flight to London got back home dumped my bag and made my seat in the cover then just for kickoff in what would be Bob Peters last game probably about 1,500 kilometres said that Bob meant that much to me Clearly, uh, clearly, uh, must another. be the only one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Baldy Bond said he that walking to the to derbies was the norm in the late sixties. Bunking on the train for a ways or getting a lift on the coach uh, and getting to get back was the done thing. I remember actually once. I mean, this isn't that impressive, but I, I think I walked all the way from Kensington to Fulham to watch us play on a Monday night just because I had a few hours to kill. <laughs> but that, that was uh, one way of uh, of doing it. Now there's a good one in here which I'm just trying to find, um, where where some guy uh, decided he was going to Gillingham. Uh, to watch to watch him play uh, right let me just find it because someone tweeted this so th- this is obviously back in the days before sat navs um, so it's never that easy to find your way around I imagine if you're you're driving to a to, to a game so this was a Nozza picked it up and put it on Twitter as well because he found it quite funny uh, oh brilliant he's deleted it perfect but basically the, <laughs> the, the moral of the story basically was that this guy was on his way to Gillingham uh, didn't know the way so he, he spotted a car with a Gillingham scarf in the back and he thought oh perfect I'll just follow that car he said he followed the car for 20 minutes or so until this guy pulled up in front of his house and went inside so he uh, basically followed that car all the way but unfortunately uh, it was on a on a whim because he wasn't actually going to the game so unfortunately uh, for that so anyway that, that is our section on uh, congratulating Sebo congratulations to him that's a brilliant achievement uh, let's have another quick break here on Channel Live when we get back we'll talk about the women's team uh, after their good win at home against the London Bees today Chip 
ball, looking for the run of Fosu, who's onside, Fosu, edge of the penalty area, can he get a shot away? He can and it's the opening goal! Tariq Fosu sprung the offside trap, gets his second goal of the season, and Charlton's first of the evening, and they're 1-0 up here at the Banksy Stadium. Welcome back, it's Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Um, still got, we've just uh, been speaking about Seb Lewis. He's an incredible 1,000 game con- uh, consecutive run, uh, which culminated yesterday in that 2 0 win at home to Doncaster Rovers. Uh, well done, Sebo. Uh, right, another 2 0 win uh, for the, the Charlton Athletic family today was for the women's team. They beat the London Bees over at the Oakwood in Crayford earlier on uh, this afternoon. Uh, Liz Juppie, we spoke to her a couple of weeks ago and she was moaning about the fact that she wasn't taking her chances. Well, she scored. Four she or five, yeah, she scored four last week and she scored another one today. So she scored five goals since we spoke to her. So clearly we are the motivational tool uh, that she needed. So she, she got the first one today after three minutes. And then Gemma Bryan uh, also scored today. She got a one and then converted a penalty just before half time. Uh, so Charlton's remarkable start to life in the championship continues. Uh, I think they're still third. They were definitely third going into today. So I assume they're either third or second now. Um, so they're doing so well. And uh, Gemma herself, this is a set, well, at least her second spot at Charlton. She was playing for the Addicts a few years ago. They ended up going to, to Crystal Palace and she's come back uh, this season. Uh, we saw her score twice, didn't we, when we went down to see him play uh, Aston Villa on the opening league game of the season. She got another one uh, today. Uh, and, and obviously that goal means that the Charlton Athletic women's team good run uh, continues in the championship. I caught up with her on the phone after the game and she's very pleased with how it's been going. Yeah, it does. So we're just happy again that we've managed to get three points today. Yeah, it sounds like uh, off to the perfect start with Liz uh, Ajuppi scoring after just three minutes. So that there's no better way to start the game. Yeah, obviously that settles us down when we just get an early goal and then we um, can obviously try and get into our normal rhythm um, and, yeah, create opportunities. Mm. And then uh, you killed the game off with the the goal just before half-time. When you talk us through it? Because you won the penalty yourself and then you got up and scored it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure he played the fruit ball through to me. Um, I just managed to get a touch on the ball, take it away from the keeper, and then she made contact. So um, it's always important, I think, when you, you can double your lead before mm. half time, it just probably killed um, any momentum they would have had coming out into the second half. Yeah, and what was the second half like? Was it was it quite comfortable in the end? Um, to be honest, I mean, London Bees, they, they tried to pressure us. Um, we kind of didn't get into our flow as much, into our rhythm. It's a little bit scrappy, um, but, you know. Katie Starr made a few good saves, but we managed to obviously see the game out and um, keep the clean sheet, which is the important thing. Yeah, and it's a, it's a, it's a great run that China are on now, the fifth win of the, of the season. I mean, everyone must be really pleased with how it's going so far. Yeah, we're just trying to improve week by week. I don't think we've um, hit top form yet. There's a lot we need to work on um, in our units and as a team. So the most important thing, obviously, is the three points. And if you can get them like today, it wasn't like our best performance. But if we can pick up three points and we're not... You know, at the top of our game, that says a lot about the players that we got in the squad. Mm. I remember when I spoke to you after the the home win against Aston Villa, we were sort of talking mm-hmm. about how it was a bit of an unknown at that stage how Charlton were going to be stepping up into a new division. Now you're a, a part of the way through the season. You've got more of an understanding of the league, and I guess pleased with uh, with how you're taking it so far. Definitely, as I said, I think we're we I think we're third going into this game, so we're just trying to improve week by week. That's in training and in games as well. Um, we've got a lot of new additions in this squad, so once we understand sort of how we how we play as individuals, we're just trying to uh, build on that and, and work um, together as, as a squad to improve. Mm. 
Do you think Charlton are now becoming a side that the other clubs in this division are going to start to fear? Um, I mean, I think we've got, yeah, there's a lot of players, as I said, we've got a, a big, strong squad. Uh, we've got a lot of players that can play in different positions. We've got, as I said, squad people that can come off the bench and influence the game. So I think that's the most important thing at this time. Um, our results uh, are positive ones. The teams, I think, naturally will be relatively aware of, of you know, the threats that we pose. And from a personal point of view, you reached your 100th appearance for the club against Lewis a couple of weeks ago, obviously over more than one spell. I mean, how does it feel? You got your award today. How does it feel to, to know you've reached that landmark for Charlton? <laughs> Makes you feel old. No, it's, it's, obviously, it's nice to obviously reach landmarks when you're playing for clubs. Um, obviously, I had a spell um, before and then just to come back. And I think I was aware that I was before, obviously, the Lewis game before when I left. I think I finished on like 97 appearances, so it's a bit of a shame at that moment in time I didn't manage to make my 100th but um, yeah it's obviously it's nice to get to a milestone in football General Brian there speaking to, to myself on the phone after today's win at home to London uh, Bees. Obviously a great servant for the club over more than one spell to get 100 uh, games against Lewis a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she got an award today. She got given a little silver plate or something. Um, impressive uh, run that the, the women's team are on actually. We know that um, you know as we were saying there it was we didn't really know what to expect when they were going to get promoted. We saw how good they were last season, but you never know until the league starts going and, well, <laughs> pleasantly surprised, surprised. Yeah, and we obviously saw them against Villa first game of the season and they looked comfortable in that game. I've just had a look at the table and Villa are near the bottom as are Millwall. Um, and then you've got London Bees in, in the middle of the table, but they've also played Durham, who they're only a point above of uh, and did well against them. And Man United are level on points with them, albeit with a game in hand. And OK, they lost that game, but they had chances to win that as well. Um, so I think they're more than more than proving that they're capable at that level. Um, whether they do finish in those top two places remains to be seen. But full credit to them, because I know they made a few signings as well. Um, but as I say, we saw them all, all of us in that first game of the season. They looked to have gelled already then. And I follow a few of them on social media. They look like a really lively bunch. They, they look like a, a good, close-knit group. Um, and as you say, they're part of the Charlton family. And I know uh, we know a couple of the guys that are involved in helping get that team out every week and, and obviously encourage as many people as possible to go down. I know there's a plan to get a fairly big crowd for the Palace game in a few weeks, isn't there? So, yeah, full credit to them. And, and they're doing really well. Yeah, got quite a strike force uh, with the likes of uh, of Gemma and Kit as well. So, uh, yeah, well done to them on, the, on another win today. And as you say, they're, they're next at home in a couple of weeks. Uh, against Palace and I think they're hoping to try and get a nice big crowd in for that so mm. we'll talk about that more uh, near the time as well now just a quick reminder um, next Sunday uh, Charlton away to Mansfield in the FA Cup which means that we won't be here because we'll be in Mansfield so we won't get back in time uh, to do a show unfortunately on the uh, on, on the Sunday so there, there'll be no live Charlton live uh, next Sunday I might try and stick out a little mini podcast depending on what time we get home because uh, I imagine it'll be quite late, and therefore I probably won't actually. But <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but we will be here on Thursday to look ahead to that Mansfield game, and to, of course, look back at the Walsall game on Tuesday night, uh, which we will look forward to in, in a couple of minutes. Sebo's just tweeted in again, said I have to miss, I had to miss half of my sixth form induction at Thomas Tallis uh, to be taken to Houston to go to our first ever Premier League game against Man United at Old Trafford in September 1990. Yeah, I, <laughs> I remember that was a Tuesday evening game. It says nothing to do with Charlton, but I didn't go on with the course, and I left Tallis before Christmas. Well, if you're happy to miss the, the half half of the because you know that Charlton's much more important. You're never, you're never going to have to to want to stay during that course. And Charlton is much more important than education, uh, as we all know. Right, um, Tuesday night. I imagine Seb will probably hoping to keep his run continuing, so he'll probably be his one thousand. 
uh, and first game in a row up uh, up at the Banksy Stadium, which is not the best got uh, in its former guise, of course. Um, we've been saying it's so important that we keep that run going now. Um, and we're gonna be without Lyle Taylor, so you know he's so he's been so integral. I mean, to us, we saw that when when we went to Luton away, we were out without Carl and Grant for most of the game, and I still thought we played quite well. So we can do without one of these players, but we do know he is one of our most important. So how we react to not playing with him is going to be quite interesting, really. Oh, definitely. Um, he's just so important in. In so many aspects, not even just the goal scoring, but his his ability to hold the ball up and, and the effort he puts into a game as well, and the amount of running and the amount of ground he covers, it's just insane. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll he'd be a miss, like Tom said, to any to any side, and to have someone like Lyle Taylor missing is is a blow for anyone. But um, Igor has done it before. I mean, he's he's not quite hit the heights he did when he first came here, and maybe he's only a goal away from getting a bit of confidence behind him and and getting on a run like that. It would be nice if he did. Um, so and you know he looked he looked fairly lively when he came on yesterday. So it's an opportunity for him to come in and, and uh, make make something of himself. Um, so hopefully he's effective. Well, I do just wonder if that brace he got against Stevenage in the checker trade. It's only a checker trade, but it's still two goals. You still got to score him. And and if because he did look more lively yesterday, if he has just taken a little bit of confidence from that, I think he has. Yeah, because uh, again we spoke about it on, on I think was it Thursday show. We've spoken about it recently about whether that would breed confidence and. I think a goal at any level is going to do that for you and I think it showed yesterday. Um, obviously he didn't get on the score sheet but I thought he looked lively. As I say, the, the pace he showed um, was great. He had some nice touches and yeah, he knows he needs to step up and, and he seems to perhaps just be on the edge of doing that. It's not going to be an easy game. I know they've dropped off a little bit since their good start to the season, Warsaw, but you know, was it last season or season before we conceded late on to, to draw a game there? It's never mm. been a, a happy place for us to go from recent memory. So, yeah, it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch. And and as we've all spoken about earlier in the show, we know what we're like on a Tuesday night. So, yeah, we need uh, we need Igor to step up and everyone else. And, and if we can get back-to-back wins going into a little a little break, I think that would be brilliant. Yeah, it was a funny old game there on a Tuesday night uh, last season. We were, I think we went one and up through Fosu. There was one all before half-time. Then just like it was going to peter out. And Ricky Holmes scored an absolutely glorious volley with about two minutes left. Uh, but then we conceded 12 seconds after the kickoff, yeah. so we ended up drawing uh, two, 200% Charlton tweeted in saying, when was our last win in the league on a Tuesday night? Now, I actually looked that up because he tweeted it in earlier. And it was only actually last season. Now, that was uh, late on in the season away at Shrewsbury. Uh, yeah. But obviously we've had a couple so far this season on a Tuesday and we haven't done that. We've had three so far. We were uh, away to uh, to Scunny, which we lost 5-3. Before that, we'd lost 1-0 at home to, to the Posh. And obviously we had Oxford a couple of weeks yeah. ago uh, that we drew one all as well. So, and yeah, and, and that is a good point because our Tuesday night record, for some reason, throughout the years, has been horrendous. I mean, there was one point last year where I checked over the last 12 home games we'd had on Tuesday night we'd only won one of them it was just a bizarre record and it is it, it, particularly at home it always seems to be just a little bit dull doesn't it on a Tuesday night and Bose was moaning himself about the preparation as particularly with a small squad is what which is what we have it can't be hard to to play two games in, in in three or four days you know you look at the the players we have that will carry knocks you know if if we'd gone Saturday Saturday maybe Lyle Taylor would have been able to play but because we're not we have to lose him and that that is sort of indicative of what happens when we play Tuesday night games because we have a smaller squad exactly and it's it's not even just the size of the squad but also the age it's such a young squad and I think we obviously the we, we're burning these young players out a little bit because we have to play them Saturday Tuesday Saturday Tuesday and I think they're they're sort of 
more frail in terms of picking up these injuries and knocks and stuff and maybe they do need the the rest it, it can become very easy to burn these players out um, mm. and we've, we've seen it in sort of seasons gone by with, with other young players so maybe that is a, a bit of a factor into our Tuesday night performances um, with, with the squad depth as well when, when we're already missing players you're then sort of asking other players to burn themselves out and it's sort of a vicious cycle but I'd like to think I'd, I'd like to think we'd be able to get something on Tuesday I'd, I'd like to think that would be, mm. be a good result if we do Right, it's so a third home game in a row actually for Walsall in League One uh, on, on Tuesday evening. They got beat on Saturday at home three one by Burton. Before that, they beat uh, Wickham three two at home, same, same as we did actually. Now um, they're an interesting side. Obviously, they lost Aaron Otzuma uh, in, in the summer. He was their best player for the last few years. Yeah. Uh, he scored against us here at the Valley, didn't he? Um, last season. Uh, so, but they're, they're they're on the same points as us. They're they're, they're sat in tenth, just a couple of uh, places below us. In the league table, I mean, what what can we expect from them? Difficult, difficult outfit to play at times. They have been for us. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I say, I don't think our record against them has been has been brilliant in recent years. Um, yeah, they're going to be a tough side. Uh, okay, they they lost their last game, but um, yeah, they've. I'm just having a look at their goals, and they seem to be a little bit up and down. They scored three against Wickham, but the two games before that, they hadn't scored at all. Um, in fact, yeah, for the few games before that, they don't score a lot of goals. As you say, Ostomer was was their best player comfortably um, over the last few years. But as I said earlier, none of the games are going to be easy. Um, And you look at the likes of who have we played down the bottom? Bradford, okay, we beat. But you look at Oxford down there, um, Plymouth, uh, Scunthorpe, Shrewsbury, okay, we beat them, but it was last minute. So even the teams down the bottom, you know, we have to be on our game if we're going to beat them. Warsaw, as you just said, up there, level on points with us, but a massive swinging goal difference, mm. um, which does show, as I say, you know, we score goals, they they don't. Um, so we, I think if we can get ourselves ahead early, um, as we did last time we were there, then perhaps we stand a better chance of winning. But we've got those couple of injuries as well, so I don't know. It's it's not going to be an easy game for sure. We've certainly let ourselves down on the road in the last couple of league uh, yeah. league games away. Scunny and and Rochdale lost them both. Uh, before that, it was Luton. We've won a couple as well. You know, looking back at uh, Bradford and Southend, and now it's, it's trying to make sure that we find. I mean, that Bradford performance, admittedly, now against it is quite clear. That Bradford yeah. are a dreadful team this season, but that Southend game, uh, Southend are a decent team, and we went there and we played well. And we need to make sure we can find that sort of level of intensity, defending as well as we can, uh, and to, to make sure we get something on Tuesday night. Now, the, I guess one of the other interesting ones. I mean. If Anthony Dixon's not going to be fit, you think it's going to be a straight straight one for, for Naby Sar to come and go left and then put Solly at right back? That's what I would do. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably the safest yeah. option. So, uh, yeah, and is there any other thing you'd want to change, really? I can't imagine there's anything you'd want to change in that midfield. Now, I think the only other thing is when we last played Saturday, Tuesday, Wardy couldn't start yeah. on the Tuesday having played the Saturday. So it could be Tariq Fosu. You know, Tariq Fosu who scored at um, Walsall last, last season. That was in his run of scoring uh, four games in a row. Um, but he certainly hasn't hit the heights this season. So if, if he is needed to start on Tuesday evening, I mean, he needs to really up his game now, doesn't he? Oh, definitely. We've got to see more of the Tariq Fosu that we saw last season. Um, I mean, it's sort of around this time of year last last season where he went on that, on that run where he scored so many goals and he got his hat-trick over at Fleetwood and got the goal uh, like you mentioned earlier at Walsall on, on the Tuesday on the Tuesday night as well wasn't it that yeah, game yeah. Mm. so we just need to see that that form from, from Tariq I mean I know he's he's had his injury struggles and everything but he's obviously capable of doing it we've seen him do it before so this is it's his chance to come in and make an opportunity then you maybe wonder if Ben Reeves took a bit of a knock on on Saturday as well whether maybe Darren Prattley will come in and sit in front of the defence and push Cullen forward a little bit maybe that's a change that could come in but 
I'm hoping Ben Rees is all right because he's been he's been fantastic. Yeah, well, hopefully he will be, and hopefully the Charlton uh, can uh, extend their winning run to two from one uh, on Tuesday night. <laughs> Lewis, you'll be up there. You're on the comms, are you? I am looking yeah, forward to it. I'm the, I am looking forward to it. Yeah, it's my first league game on comms. So. Excellent. And last, I mean, it was eight 0 last time. Yeah, so let's hope it's yeah. more of the same. You got a hundred percent eight 0 record to defend here. So we're we're hoping for more Don't of the let same. Me down, Charles. Right, we've uh, run out of time here on this evening's Charlton Live on Maritime Radio. Thank to you uh, to all of you who've listened and got involved. And a massive congratulations again, of course, for Seb Lewis for his one thousandth consecutive game. Great to hear from him on the show. We also heard from Lee Bayer and Gemma Bryan as well. So thanks to to both of those for for getting involved as well. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming in. Cheers, Louis. Lewis as well. Good yeah, to see no you. Yeah, no worries, mate. I've been Louis Mendes. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of the show. Uh, we'll be back here on Thursday evening when we'll look ahead to next Saturday, next Sunday's FA Cup game over at Mansfield and, of course, looking back at whatever happens at the Banksy Stadium on Tuesday night. Thanks for listening and we shall see you later. <laughs> Charles and Charles and